Introducing RNS's new national reporter, Alejandra Molina. The Latino population in LA, in California, is very broad. We're not a monolith, and it's important to to include other Latino voices in the narratives. Guatemalan, Salvadoran, Nicaraguan, who just don't see themselves as part of this overall fabric. So mm. I do want to be more inclusive. In my reporting, when I say you know, Latino, I want to be more detailed. From Religion News Service, this is Beliefs. I'm Bill Baker. A new national reporter joining the newsroom at RNS to report on the often overlooked segment of the national religious landscape, Los Angeles and California. Molina will also be reporting with an enhanced focus on issues close to the Latinx community nationwide. Alejandra spoke with Beliefs producer Jay Woodward from her office in Los Angeles. Alejandra Molina, thank you for joining us on Beliefs. Welcome. Thank you. So I was speaking to our editor-in-chief, Bob Smetana, about the new reporting that you're going to be doing. And he was so clear on all of the reasons that he had been looking for you for the past year, covering L.A., covering Southern California, covering all of California for that matter, pushing religion news service reporting into the Latino community. And of course, we know why we were looking for you, but I'm curious as to why you were looking for us. What do you feel like you want to do with this beat? You know, I've been a reporter for more than a decade. I've covered many beats from transportation and cops, breaking news, city hall, and um, in every beat that I've covered, I've really tried to to explore these beats with a, like a lens of um, race and class and um, gender to just to better understand understand the nuances of things. And the fact that I get to explore the Latino experience solely and how it, the identity relates to religion is pretty exciting. Um, I don't come from a background where I have this sophisticated understanding of of religion. So I'm genuinely curious of how um, a community that I'm a part of, how this identity relates to their spirituality. And so I did cover religion for for a year or so out in the Inland Empire when I worked for the Press Enterprise in Riverside. And I learned a lot, um, you know, during my time there in that beat. So, you know, I covered anything, everything from, you know, the growing Catholic population in the Inland Empire. And, you know, we've seen like a lot of surveys and reports on how young Latinos are leaving, you know, Catholicism or even Latinos in general are leaving the religion. But in the Inland Empire, because, um, you know, housing is so expensive out here. You know, the Inland Empire is really experiencing a boost of working class people and um, leaving Orange County and L.A. and going to the Inland Empire. So the diocese was experiencing a big um, boom. And so, you know, I was I covered some of those issues. So I'm really interested in in just learning more about the community that I come from. You know, I'm Latina, Mexican-American, and I want to know, you know, people, how people that resemble me, how they live out their spirituality. You know, you bring up an interesting point. I was looking up just a, a couple of numbers, current estimates of the population in America, 327 million, 52 million are described as a Hispanic Latino. 
the Archdiocese of Los Angeles is the largest Catholic diocese in America, also the largest Protestant community in America, but it also feels that religion is, as a beat, is really underrepresented. Why do you think that is, that we pay less attention to people's spiritual lives except for when it intersects with politics, when it intersects with constitutional issues or, um, you know, like religion touches everything. It touches food. It touches who we marry. It touches what we wear. Why do you think we're not paying as much attention to that? I think people want more of this reporting, but the way newsrooms are set up, it's just kind of like a luxury beat. Um, you know, I come from newsrooms that were experiencing a lot of layoffs and they were offering buyouts and, you know, reporters were forced to cover numerous beats. So having beat topic beats like immigration and religion, especially right now where you're seeing politics and identity politics and all that intertwined so much, that was kind of a luxury. And we only approached those themes when something was said, uh, you know, by President Donald Trump. And so it was very reactive. So we never really had the time or the staffing to really explore this. So the fact that we get to do it at Religion News Service is is pretty cool. I'm really excited to to tap into this because across Southern California, there's, yes, the LA Archdiocese, there's the Diocese of San Bernardino and Riverside, there's the Diocese in Orange. Those are really big institutions. And that's only the, you know, Catholicism, but there's pockets of of, uh, Latinos who are part of other faiths. You know, uh, I think there's more Latinos who are uh, exploring evangelical institutions, uh, Pentecostal. I've done some reporting on Latino Muslims, and there's just a lot out here. And I'm really excited to really tap into all these communities. Your background as a reporter is in all of these different areas, but it always seems to be framed in terms of community. You're out talking to people and you're finding your stories from the bottom up. Uh, how do you feel that's going to and <laughs> I apologize because this sounds like a uh-huh. like a job interview question, but how is that <laughs> going to inform how does that inform the way that you're going to approach people's spiritual lives in in reporting and also touching on you know the stuff where it, it reaches the state house or it reaches uh, the border yeah. in San Diego, for instance? Y- yeah, so I think um, I think community journalism is super important and um, because I do enjoy that kind of reporting and talking to people, I think um, many people don't realize that that's how you you break news because you're out there talking to people and um, and also because I'm genuinely curious. I don't like I said I don't have this sophisticated knowledge of religion, so I want to understand things. What I'm going to be doing is visiting uh, houses of worship, attending mass, going to synagogues. That's kind of what I want to do with this beat, start that way, and obviously set up meetings with theologians and leaders in the archdiocese. But it's a balance. Like you have to talk to the people in that have power in these institutions, but you also have to put uh, to really focus on on communities and the people and really getting to know them. We all get into trouble sometimes because we ask individual members of communities to represent everything about that community. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can stray into so many uh, difficult areas of trying to ask people to represent their entire uh, tribe, if you will. But um, with that in mind, 
Let's talk about some terminology about what the Latino community is and how it's defined. There's a new um, pronoun adjective uh, descriptor that is being used for yes. the Latino community. It's it's called Latinx, and it's been sort of growing in different places and not growing in different places. Um, there's a difference between people who identify as Hispanic or people who identify as Latino. There are There are different communities within communities within communities, of course. And yeah. I think all of them seem to be represented in Southern California, where you're based. What is the landscape over there for people who don't live anywhere near Southern California and tend to group the Southwest all together? Can you talk to us about the landscape of the people that live there? So I actually really gravitated to- toward this term early on when I kind of started seeing it in in um, just online and social media spaces and and to me, it was exciting because I saw it as a progressive turn to be more inclusive because the Spanish language is so gendered and there are people who don't identify as man or woman. So this would be Latinx is inclusive. But I feel like it kind of just took off and um and I feel like I needed to understand more of, well, who's using this term and who is it for? And, um, for example, my parents are immigrants and uh, they're from Mexico. And I don't think my parents who are 60 years old will would identify as Latinx. Like, you know, like, what is that? And so I feel like it, it, it kind of is a little bit of an academic term. But I see both sides because I do... I do see a need for um, a term that's more inclusive, but I do see the other side where, oh, okay, well, who is this for and who's using it? And in Southern California, when people think of Latinos, they think of Mexicans, Mexican-Americans, and also the Central American community. They've, I feel like from what I've gathered in just social media and just talking to people, Latinx is not a term that applies to them. So uh, that's what gets me thinking, you know, like, is Latinx, you know, does that imply Mexican or Mexican American? Does that also include Central Americans? Why would Central Americans not think that term is for them? And, um, you know, because the Mexican, Mexican American population is so big out here, you know, I feel like that's what people think when they think of Latino or Latinx. Um, The Latino population in LA, in California is very broad. We're not a monolith. And it's important to to include other Latino voices in the narratives, Guatemalan, Salvadoran, Nicaraguan, who just don't see themselves as part of this overall fabric. So mm. I do want to be more inclusive. In my reporting, when I say, you know, Latino, I want to be more detailed, like, okay, well, you're Latino, we're, we're part of Latin America are you from Mm -hmm. Um, you know how did you where are your parents from are you second third fourth generation Um, you know and doing reporting in you know when you're one of a few uh, women of color in newsrooms you kind of end up doing reporting you kind of end up with this beat known as like the people of color beat (laughs) and so um, so like I wrote a lot about you know the black community I wrote about the uh, Asian American community. And one thing that I learned in reporting uh, about these communities is that they're not, obviously they're not a monolith. So when you're talking about Asian Americans, there's a very different, it's very different when you're talking about Vietnamese and Chinese and Filipinos. So um, 
so it's important to just be detailed and be more specific about the experiences of people to really bring more nuances into into um, your reporting. I have observed sometimes, having grown up on the East Coast, that it seems like or it feels like the conversation about Latinos tends to be, uh, in people's minds, centered somewhere in the Southwest. But on the East Coast, we have an incredible Puerto Rican and Dominican community. Mm-hmm. And how does that sort of triangulate into into the coverage, into the exploration of the spiritual life and, and reporting the news? Yeah, well, I think that's, yeah, that's, you. I mean, even ident- acknowledging that there's a difference between Central American and Mexicans in the Latino experience, that's, that's, that's something. And so then you start thinking huh. of, okay, um, when I was covering immigration, I talked to um, people in the black community who, you know, are Afro-Latino and who um, whose roots are in Belize or um, and to me, it's like, wow, like it, it, even that as common knowledge as it may be, like it was mm. new to me to report on immigration issues and uh, using these voices because I was just, you know, used to to you know you know and Mm. so um i would love to uh, explore more of that i don't know how it looks like i haven't i i mean i don't have this knowledge on on what spirituality looks like for you know afro latinos i i don't know and Mm. i i i would like to know more about that i know that there's pockets of puerto ricans in southern california and, and you can tell by you know there's a really popular food truck um, that serves Puerto Rican food. And I feel like it's the only one in Southern California and I often <laughs> see it around Pasadena. So it's like, okay, there's something here. And, you know, I know in Riverside there was a, a little Puerto Rican restaurant. And so I always wanted to, like, go in there and just talk to the people there and ask where they're from and where they live. So, so yeah, I'm generally curious of how how that's, you know, how spirituality relates to, to those identities. As... A religion reporter, but also as part of this community. You've got the best of both worlds. You are certainly an insider with ways to identify with your community, being Latino yourself, but also you have the luxury of an outsider's perspective when it comes to looking at religion as as a beat. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, I feel like I can just get story ideas from talking to my family. I know my my brother, for example, when he found out that I was doing this beat, he um, he he's he attends a Catholic church in Pomona, and um, they were distributing these flyers, and he's like, "Oh, this would be interesting for you to explore." And it's a bit old news now, but um, in California, there was this bill that was trying to get passed that would require priests to Catholic priests to um, disclose um, any confession from another priest uh, um, if there was sexual abuse involved. And so he just handed me out that flyer. He's like, hey, I feel like there's a lot of misinformation that's being spread. We have this flyer. I don't know if this fully makes sense. People are really against it. But uh, and he's like, but I feel like there's more that you, you can it could possibly be done so people can better understand it. It doesn't mean that, you know, if a regular person goes to confess that their confession is going to be, you know, reported, you know, and that's what people are thinking, you know, in covering immigrant communities, you know, people are very wary of reporters and if they just come to you and they ask you all these personal questions. And one way that I've always 
chosen to relate to people is just ask them oh you know how long have you been living here or if they say that they came here in 95 I was like oh where did you come from and if they say they're from Mexico like oh you know my parents aren't, aren't far from there and so I already established a connection that oh my parents also immigrated oh like I know where that's at I visited that place and so once I established that personal connection people just are so open to tell you their stories and and so I do feel that I have that advantage in in maybe um, you know getting more personal anecdotes that way and having a certain level of understanding mm. um, um, that way. So look forward for us. What's really on the plate for the next year? Uh, what are we going to be discussing for the rest of the year and in through the spring? What's on the plate? I want to um, explore you know, how Latinos live out their spirituality. I mean, yeah, that's the essence of my beat. And Christianity is a big religion where Latinos are represented, but there's also other communities that I want to acknowledge as well. And um, I I just want to understand how people's faiths, uh, how people, Latino people, balance their faiths and their identities. Um, you know, for example, there's, there's a brand of faith that's based in the in Rancho Cucamonga in the Inland Empire area. Um, I think it's called Apostolic Assembly, and um, they most of the members are Mexican, Mexican American, and other Latino members. And um, and that brand of faith is interesting because, from what I've heard, and I've talked to one person who was part of that faith, is that there, there's a lot of focus on the prosperity theology so mm. if if you do certain things if you believe in the holy spirit you will gain wealth and i could see how that's attractive to somebody who's well off but i could also see how that's attractive to somebody who's poor and they want to achieve a certain level of privilege and what's interesting about um this church this uh, this organization is that from what I've heard is that many of its members are pro-Trump. So I just want to understand, like, I want to know, like, okay, how are you Latino? How are you an immigrant? And how do you subscribe to this theology? Like, how do you balance both? Um, if you're, you know, Donald Trump has has said very, uh, you know, racist things about immigrants, about, um, you know, that experience. So how do you balance that with this brand of faith that's so you know, that finds him so, I, I, you know, that supports him. Mm. So I just want to understand. Mm. And so um, that's the kind of reporting that I hope to bring. And, um, you know, I, I do want to to see how younger Latinos who remained in the Catholic religion, how they balance their identity and a religion that maybe hasn't caught up with, with their progressive ideals. And so I think I come from, I'm coming from this with a very, like, curious um curious eyes so i just hope that as i'm learning about this people are are learning and understanding it better and and that's my approach to this i'm sure we'll be checking in with you on plenty of issues coming up over the coming year and it sounds like you're going to have a great opportunity to really complicate the narrative when it comes to the spiritual life of the latino community and uh, I thank you for joining us on Beliefs and look forward to your work. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Our guest was Alejandra Molina, national reporter for Religion News Service. 
The conversation continues on our Facebook page, and we tweet at Beliefs Podcast. If you like our program, come review us on iTunes. Beliefs is brought to you with the support from the Bernard L. Schwartz Center for Media, Public Policy, and Education at the Graduate School of Education at Fordham University. Production assistance came from Shana Dorlarina. The music is by Edward Billis. I'm Bill Baker, and thank you for listening.